It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to the Better Faster Podcast. On today's episode, Brandon and I are talking about the deadlift and how you can build a better deadlift. And I have to say, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. I love deadlifting mainly because I'm a little better at the deadlift than I am some other lifts. So uh, this is a fun episode. And we talk about some of the tips and the tricks and some different things that we think about when we're trying to deadlift more weight. And so some of these things you may have heard of, some of them might be new to you. We also get into a little bit uh, on the programming side of things when you're thinking about building a bigger deadlift because it simply is more than just deadlift more or deadlift more often. You know, there's so much more that goes into it. So we talk a little bit about the things you need to consider when you decide, I want to build a bigger deadlift. How am I going to do it? So thank you for tuning in. If you haven't already, please go to iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. It's how we reach more people. It's also how we, uh, you know, get other topics for episodes. Great place to leave a comment or you can send us a message. We appreciate all the feedback. We're still trying to get to those 100 reviews. So if you haven't already, please leave us a review. If you have already, thank you so much. Again, I really hope you're going to enjoy today's episode so that way you can build a bigger deadlift. Happy Monday, everybody. Today, Josh and I are talking about deadlifting, which is my favorite lift because it's actually the only one I'm decent at. And uh, specifically, we're some some quick tips or or hacks that you may or may not have heard before. I know Josh doesn't really like that word hack, so I'll try not to say it more than five times on this episode. Uh, but before we dive into that, Josh, man, how are you feeling after after hitting 19.2? Oh, man, um, it, that was rough. I don't think I've done... 75 toes bar since, uh, 16.2, um, it'll work out, you know, uh, so that was, you know, I was, I was hurting a little the next day, man. Um, uh, that should indicate people where I got, I didn't make it out of that 225 bar. I was a little upset about that. All right. Uh, so, you know, no repeat for me again, my goals are not, uh, right now do not, are not a maximal CrossFit performance for myself. Um, you know, I love doing the open, so I'm still doing it, but I have some other goals. Um, but you know, it was fun. We had an awesome event Thursday night. Um, you know, thankfully you and, and Amy, our guest, um, last week, uh, you know, organized uh, a Thursday night, uh, get together to watch it, had food from um, our man Steve Keys, and then we had donuts, of course, Krispy Kreme being across the street, and had a nice little crew. And we're gonna do it again last week, the open, but we're gonna, you know, I hate to say it, Brandon, but you, you know, you and I going versus who we have week five going, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> 
upping the uh, the quality of the entertainment is what we'll say. <laughs> uh, the uh, the level of yes, uh, for the sure. level of performance um, is going to be upped a little bit. We have um, uh, two of my uh, on-site athletes, uh, Rachel and Gina, who are both incredible athletes. Um, they'll be you know throwing down for us on that Thursday uh, after the workouts released on week five. So that was fun, man. Um, I, I was sore the next day. I was hurting a little bit. Man, I didn't hit enough reps to get sore. That was uh, that was that was a shit shift for me, man. Uh, it, it was a good time there, man. That that patient appreciation, like good turnout, man. Everybody had a good time. Um, real good for morale, but man, I was I was such a jobber out there, man. I, I feel bad for Kyle. You know, Kyle's my Kyle's my CPT coach, and he does my program, and he was there. And for the past year, almost a year, we just working on getting strong and gaining weight. So before before we started he sees me warming up and and this was before the workout even got announced and he asked me what I was doing so I told him I was like I'm about to hit this workout and I saw the look in his eyes it was like half confusion half worry and he goes <laughs> he goes if you want to do these workouts man I, you know I can start programming this kind of stuff in and I said no I'm good I'm only doing it because I said I do it on the podcast and I swear literally 30 seconds before they announced the workout I looked at Colin and said man I'll be good I'm just gonna pace it and you know, as long as there's no toes to bar, double unders, because it sucks those movements, I'm going to be fine. And I swear, man, right here I said that. I look at the TV, and you had it on the German station, and the first thing on the whiteboard, toes to bar, second thing, double unders. Shit, man. <laughs> yeah. So started that workout, man, and, and you know, Kyle's in my corner, and he's he's a good coach. He's a good strategizer. And I think I went like six, five, four, four. I think he did the math right on the toes to bar. Mm-hmm. And, and I was good. I was still breathing around those during that part. But during the warm-up, I was only streaming together like 13 double-unders. So the strategy was that if I got my rhythm going, i just get as many as I could. And, and I went unbroken on it. And yeah. um, so, so Kyle actually, like he started getting excited, right? And, and, you know, he's thinking this is good. And then, you know, he's like probably thinking, Brandon, this is not going to make me look bad. But as soon as I dropped that speed row, I looked at Kyle and I said, I think I'm going to puke. And his face <laughs> dropped, man. It, it, was like, it was like a roller coaster of emotions for him. Um, but no, I didn't actually puke. Got through the first round of cleans and – you know, started hitting singles on the next round, toes bar. I think I got like 27 double unders next round. Yeah. Didn't hit one rep at 185. Uh, not my best day, but, you know, got what I deserved and got a couple donuts, a couple of them crispy cream glaze afterwards. So that's a win for me. Yeah. No, it was so much fun, man. That's one of those things. It's like the, the you know, community vibe that, that – you know, Vertex and CT and everything that we've, we've kind of started to really mm-hmm. build. It's just so much fun to be a part of, man, just thoroughly enjoying every second of it. And the chance to do that um, has been, you know, so great. Uh, you know, of course, yeah, I would have liked to have performed slightly better too. Um, but, you know, I'm glad the, I'm glad we did it, you know, gave the crowd a little bit of a show, even if it was, mm-hmm. you know, just us, you know, thankfully <laughs> we have a, uh, you know, like I said, we're, we're upgrading. We're, uh, you know, we're bringing in the big guns. We are for um, sure. Yeah, so, so it's going to be fun. So yeah, Rachel five, and Gene are yeah. worth, worth driving down. Yeah. So if you're around, uh, around week five, um, we'll have to look at, um, what, uh, what date that is actually on the, on the calendar. We'll figure that out and say that, but, uh, or put it in the show notes, mm-hmm. um, yeah, make sure you come down and, and, and hang out, have some food with us, and uh, watch some some pretty elite fitness. For sure. Mm-hmm. So one one other thing before we dive into this, um, there was something I saw on the internet over the weekend, and I, I can't remember where I saw it. I was looking at it right for the show, but if anyone is out there listening, maybe shoot us a link or something like that. But apparently there was a conference of sorts, and someone said that they thought physical therapy should be referred to as non-operative care instead of conservative care. And, you know, I found that argument very compelling because, you know, by definition, we are aggressive in our approach. And, and when we got kind of packed into that word conservative, you know, it also gets grouped with alternative. And, and that puts us in the same category as naturopaths and like essential oil peddlers and things like that. So, you know, I think I'm on board with that term, non-operative, man. You got any thoughts about that? I like that, man. I do. I think, um, 
you know, our perception is, is big. And especially as we, you know, get into a little more, um, you know, of this, you know, as direct access expands, as people, you know, hopefully start to see physical therapy as, you know, a frontline medical provider and someone I can go to first with, you know, any of my neuromusculoskeletal uh, needs, um, then that that is, you know, kind of what I want them to think is like, you know, if I go, I think I got something going on, I'm going to go over here where I know they're probably, you know, going to try to do everything they can that isn't surgery. And then knowing that, you know, if that doesn't work, then maybe surgery is appropriate um, versus going somewhere else first and that being the option that's presented first. Um, and then, you know, I think that perception is huge. So uh, I actually, I actually like that term too, man. I'm uh, I'm not opposed to it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to make a real intentional effort to give it a spin this week when I'm in conversation, see how it goes, see if I like it. But yeah. uh, it's interesting, you know, it's something, something new. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's go and get into this. So, I got a few hacks. I think that's the second time I get, I get three more before the episode's over. Um, so this is really for, for anyone from a novice to, it could be an advanced lifter. And, you know, I, I, I think that um, the first one is a no brainer and that's footwear. So it is not uncommon to go into any gym or even into your own PT clinic and see people deadlifting or, or Hoka's or Jordan's. And it's hard to watch. I mean, their ankles are wobbling over the place and they're doing the stanky leg, bringing that bar up. And I'd make the argument that barefoot is probably one of, if not the best way to go. And use everything from your foot intrinsics, even the skin on your feet to create fixed points on the ground and feed more information to your brain. You know, literally, if we could map out the brain during a deadlift, we'd probably see that that thing is lightened up because we're going to get a lot more cortical representation um, when we are barefoot. And you know, I'm talking about the homunculus from neuroanatomy, and that in turn will likely recruit more alpha-motor neurons. Now, if you go to a dirty gym or one that hasn't been clean in a long time, you know, you got people pissing over the bathroom floor and tracking that back into the gym. Just, just wear socks, man. It's, it's a little more sanitary, I guess, you know, still pretty nasty. We are sweating over the floor for other people, but you gotta get those PRs. Um, and then if all else fails, maybe you're uncomfortable being barefoot in socks. You know, a lot of people are more self-conscious about their feet than their waistline. It's a weird thing. Um, get you some chucks, man, get you some Chuck Taylors and uh, some type of hard mentalness shoe that creates a firm surface. I mean, Look at what the best in the world do. Guys like Eddie Hall, they're doing it in chucks and, and you know, just, just copy what they're doing. Um, but the other reason why footwear matters is because the, the less shoe you have, less distance you have to move that bar. So you put yourself at a mechanical advantage. And that's generally why a shorter person has the advantage in a deadlift and unless you're the mountain from Game of Thrones. And Lord knows we ain't going to do any sumo deadlifts because Donnie Thompson's going to call us out on that on social media. That's my first one. Oh, man, that was that was a ton of great information. And then the... You know, honestly, I'm trying to think of what I have to add to that point. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I really liked how you mentioned the input that you get from the floor when you have, you know, when you're barefoot. You know, Donnie even talks about when he talk, you know, um, with their when they're squatting or pulling from the floor and they have, uh, you know, chucks on. He doesn't wear socks. He actually sprays just a little bit of Loctite in his shoes to be able to make sure they stay in place. But again, same kind of thing. You're trying to be able to feel the floor a little bit better. Um, and I think that that input that you're getting in is definitely going to to help you when you're trying to recruit more, uh, more mass for those max, uh, maximal efforts. So I think that's great. I'm, I'm also the same way. It kills me when people are, you know, it, it's just interesting to me. I shouldn't say it kills me, but it's interesting to me when like, maybe you're doing 
some you know olympic lifting work early on in your session and you're wearing you know lifters which is great and then like you're going to conventional pulls and the point of the conventional pulls is like maximal effort pulling it's not like a olympic lifting type pull where you're doing cleaner snatch pulls to groove that pattern it's conventional just trying to get strong um like a true hinge pattern yet they're still wearing their their lifting shoes and you know you've got this you know half inch possibly more heel um and uh, yeah it's just not putting you in the best position um so i'm i'm a fan of of, you know, either losing the shoes or, you know, a, a very, very minimal, um, you know, heel there. So, uh, you know, I, I personally love, you know, I'm a Metcon guy. So, you know, I wear my, my Nike Metcons, um, you know, whenever I'm, you know, pulling off for you, even if I've just done some, some Olympic lifting tech work on switching shoes before the next exercise. Uh, so, but I, I like what you're talking about um, when you, you mentioned a little bit more of kind of what it does with the nervous system. Um, and, you know, when we talk about, you know, mechanical advantage, being close to the floor, that's another reason one of the things on my list was keeping your arms long and keep your grip a little more narrow same reason you got a shorter distance to pull the bar you know it also is something that like you know maybe we we have a little wider grip when we're doing you know cleans or clean pulls because it's easier to get into a, a you know the bar into your hips or a better front rack position and of course like snatch pulls or other pulls on the ground you have a really wide grip but when you're trying to do a conventional deadlift and pulling the bar off the ground you need arms long and you need them vertical because it decreases the distance so that can be done with shoes that can be done also with your hand position so um, i think we're on the same page there I like that one, man. So you, you just gave away the Loctite secret. Yeah, Loctite. Man, that's Don, Donnie's secret. He's, he's put up YouTube videos or, uh, and Instagram videos on that. So I don't feel bad sharing the, the Loctite secret. <laughs> yeah, man, it's no joke. And then he does the rest of his workout without shoes or socks on. Now, granted, it's his own gym and it's in, it's in his shed in his backyard. So he can do whatever he wants. But <laughs> yeah, it's like Loctite and the shoes. And then all of a sudden their, their shoes are off and he's doing this, you know, the rest of his work, you know, barefoot, things like that. So uh, he's a character, but he knows what he's doing. He does, man. You can't argue those results either. Mr. 3000 there. All right. So the, the next one I have is a little different, a little outside the box, but this one came straight from my friend Seth Overs. He was on the podcast a while back, I think last summer. Really smart dude, very holistic in his approach. And this one's actually to address your tongue and jaw position. So a lot of people do a lot of weird things with their mouths when they lift. You know, I've been working real hard on getting rid of my pain face over the past year because people started making fun of me. I think you're one of them. Um, it's, like, it's, it's pain just, face. It's, shaming, man. it's just, it's just it's, uh, interesting. <laughs> we'll just say it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was getting, I was getting pain face shame. It's kind of like fat shaming, but it's not as politically incorrect. And, and that probably just means that you haven't developed a strategy for maintaining a stable center jaw position which is also important for how you position your upper cervical spine. So, you know, this whole concept goes way back and developmentally motor control is learned from po proximal to distal and from head to toe. So basically we learn to move the jaw before the lips and the tongue. And then we learn to control our head before our arms. So our ability to keep our head in midline is just a really good example of developmental progress. Now, keep in mind your jaw attaches to your skull on the temporal bone, almost like a boat to a dock. So it's inherently not a stable joint. So therefore, if we want that stability, we have to go get it. We have to create it. So the stable position for the jaw is essentially just resting with your lips closed and your teeth slightly open. And then as far as tongue position, if you say the number nine, you know, that part of your hard palate where your tongue hits is a good spot. So there, there's also a really nice big cortical representation in the brain. And again, we're talking about how, that homunculus. So you know, maybe instead, next time you're deadlifting, instead of biting down, play around with pressing your tongue against your hard palate. You know, you could even incorporate some quick breaths before lift, and that's probably a really good way to access the central nervous system a little bit better. And just try it out. See how it goes. 
Yeah, man, that is something that until Seth had kind of mentioned that um, I had never really thought of. And I'll be honest, it's something that I I don't consistently think of and maybe I should be. Um, I also have a certain face that I make uh, whenever I'm lifting. It's actually whenever I do like anything, like any picture or video of me hitting back in my baseball days or, or whatever it might be. Like I always have the same face where I like, I'm like my, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, but basically I'm like my, my lips, like I'm like biting on my lips, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm always, my teeth are apart because like my lips are between them. Um, you'll see if you ever watch a video of me lifting, I'm in the same exact position or same exact face. Uh, so I know I feel your pain on that. Um, and so I, uh, I struggle with, thinking about that too. I, you know, it's kind of similar to, um, you know, like you, you talk about, you know, facial expression with runners and sprinters and things. And we know that there can be, uh, you know, a ton of benefit from, you know, focused work there. It's just something that, you know, I would say I'm a, a novice in that area and I'd probably need to, uh, to, uh, work a little more on. Yeah. And then I'll also say too, if you have a, if you do have a novice lifter, that's not the first thing you're going to do is just oh, yeah. say, all right, let's, Let's, you know, coach your, your tongue position, that kind of thing. Cause it's not going to be the low hanging fruit. Um, right. but you know, you start to play around some things, hit a plateau. Maybe, maybe you're going for a max lift that you didn't get and, you know, change one thing. If it works, it's cool. If it's not move on, do something different. Yep. Cool. So, uh, the last, the last one that I had, this one kind of piggybacks off of what we just talked about regarding the jaw and that's your neck position. So I know back in high school, Every deadlift, every squat, the cue from our coach was to look up towards the ceiling. And there was a period of my career where I was like completely against doing that. But I've started to circle back around a little bit because, you know, looking up does trigger a primitive reflex and that does recruit more extensors to do the work. And I don't think that's always a bad thing, but it does come at a price. And, you know, that's that it's going to put you in an anterior pelvic tilt during a lift, which is an extended lumbar spine. And there's a really nice test or, or a parlor trick. I like to call it that you can do with your patients and really on yourself. And essentially all you do is put your feet together, look down towards your feet and do a toe touch and then try it again. But this time look up towards the ceiling. And what you should notice is that unless you're just super flexible, you're going to lose a ton of range. And, and that's because the spine is essentially one length. So, you know, you, you lengthen one end, you shorten the other and vice versa. And there's a, there's another really cool parlor trick called the Tony Blower test where you essentially you test someone's elbow flexion strength with their neck and a neutral spine. And again, with their neck extended and during the latter, usually break their elbow flexion strength pretty easy every time. So the cue I use with that is, is just to pack your neck. You know, it's a chin tuck and a head lift. You already do this. If you ever have your people doing the hip hinge drill with a dowel that everyone knows, it's just that a lot of times you take that stick off, people inherently are going to look up when they get to the bottom of that lift. So sometimes it's helpful to, you know, put an object, put something on the floor, like four to six feet in front of them to cue that neutral spine they can actually look at when they're at the bottom of the movement. Again, I'm not saying that looking up is always a bad thing 100% of the time. I mean, I know that's how we cue the Olympic lifts, look at the horizon. Uh, more often than not, you know, I'm cueing a pack neck. Yeah, no, I love that, man. I think the, um, again, I'm kind of the same way, you know, grow, growing up in the, the gym at younger, you know, a younger age with different coaches, you know, having you look up during lifts, I've really moved away from that. I really moved to, okay, we got to remain neutral. Um, I always would use the analogy of, um, you know, a hose and like all the different, uh, you know, like sprinklers that come off of the main hose. And we have a kink in the hose, like all of the, the sprinklers are, are going to, you know, their output's going to be diminished. And, and so like that would like make sense to people, 
you know, and that's a, a, a very butchered analogy, but like, you know, if I have a, a kink in my neck essentially, and I'm putting, you know, in this, in this position, my output, um, and uh, you know, at the level of the, the working muscles is, is going to be diminished. That was kind of like how I would describe it to people to try to get them to, to find that neutral position and stay there. Um, but you know, I've kind of moved into more, like you mentioned, you, know, you can have a little bit of a lift and the eyes can be up a little bit more, but only if we're packed back like that, that I like that cue first and then going into the lift versus kind of getting, uh, you know, you know, trying to just lift, um, before packing. So I've kind of moved into that as well. Um, just because, you know, you can, uh, you know, you know, change some things there. Uh, but, uh, it's not where I go with somebody right away too. Like for me, I'm using the, the cue of the, the spot on the floor. I'm getting them really comfortable being packed and neutral and tucked and, and in a good position. And then I can adjust it over time as, as they become more comfortable. But um, I definitely think you can play with, um, with neck position too um, and, and see some changes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just like anything else. You got to look at the person that's in front of you and meet them where they're at. So if you got a novice, probably going to be really – coaching and ingraining that neutral spine, get them to master that, master the fundamentals before you start playing around with things and tweaking things. Mm -hmm. um, so far as that goes, you know, those are, those are, again, just small little changes just to play around with. Try, again, try it on yourself if you're listening. See what you think. Let us know what you think. Um, but then I know that you had a couple things that you wanted to talk about maybe on the programming side, um, just a couple considerations as well. Yeah, I think um, for me, when you when you look at um, you know somebody's deadlift and you're trying to improve it, um, obviously positioning is important, and that's kind of what we we've talked about a lot today is the position and you know the footwear and that kind of thing. But um, I think one of the you know, one of the first things you have to look at is, okay, well, what's more of the limiting factor? Is it, you know, a grip strength issue? Is it pulling off the ground? Is it more of lockout at the top? Is it, um, you know, is it movement pattern or bar path to where we're, we're not having the knees tracking in a good position to, you know, you know, so we're actually coming around more of the knees. Like there's, there's so many different reasons why your deadlift could be limited. And it isn't simply deadlifting more to improve it. Um, it could be that you need to play with volume. Um, I like to, you know, play around with some, you know, some different structures. Um, I think, you know, if someone really wants to, to, you know, improve their deadlift, you know, and you're going to increase pulling, I think you need to, um, you know, change, um, you know, change how you're doing it. So, you know, you probably want to pull a couple times a week if you really are focusing on the deadlift, but you know, they're not all going to be heavy. Maybe one day you might try to squat heavy and then pull more for, for speed in, in terms of like the 60% range and you're moving the weight quickly. Um, and then, uh, you know, then you could, you know, for the second, you know, second time you pull that week, maybe you're changing it to where more your squat work is more speed work. And then you're at, you're pulling for a little bit more volume. Um, you know, so you can play around with those things, but then also what I like to do is if I identify that someone is limited in a certain part of the lift, you can, you can isolate it you know, heavy rack pulls at the top, working on lockout, you know, um, you know, taking, you know, away, you know, the straps that they've always dead with, deadlifted with straps and their grip is a limiting factor um, or doing more specific gri grip worth. I mean, who is not going to benefit from heavy carries um, and things along those lines. Um, but then also you can work on deficit work. You can increase range of motion, um, you know, to work off the bottom there. Um, I think that there's so many different ways you can go about it and it's not all just, Oh, I want to improve my deadlift. I'm going to deadlift more. Um, I think that that, something that you know we always just try to fix problems with more volume and I think if you're going to add more volume that's not necessarily a bad thing um, but it's how do you add that volume and then specifically are there parts of the lift that you can focus on more and accentuate that in your programming 
And so I think that, you know, if we're going to do that as well, you can also play around with different types of pulling. You know, you can do, you know, conventional pulling with a barbell from the ground. You know, that is, you know, kind of what you might be trying to improve, but that doesn't mean you're not going to benefit from, you know, maybe doing, you know, a trap bar here and there, or maybe doing a, you know, sumo volume, you know, going through a cycle of working on some sumo work or, you know, doing it, you know, like I mentioned, rack pulls or deficit pulls, you know, there's, there you can add accommodating resistance if you're a little bit more advanced like you don't necessarily have to just do conventional deadlifts and just do more of them to improve it was kind of just the only point i wanted to get there is you have to kind of dig deeper and figure out how you're going to address your specific limitations and then how you're going to appropriately increase volume because i do think you know at least for me a lot of lifters they come to me they're you know unless they're like you and i who love the deadlift a lot of times they squat a couple times a week especially in crossfit they squat a few times a week and they maybe pull once a week um or they're pulling for the week is almost always in the form of either you know lightweight in a conditioning piece or Olympic lifting work and they're doing you know cleans and, and snatches and they're they're wondering why their one rep max deadlift isn't great um, and and not necessarily everyone needs to have a huge one rm deadlift but if that's your focus you have to adjust your programming accordingly um, so maybe having some specific deadlift um, you know focus to your training adjusting everything else around that and then you know playing around with some of those different variations that I mentioned no I like like that, man. Um, yeah, it's a lot to unpack there. So essentially, like, if you want to get good at deadlifts, you have to deadlift. But then the other part of that is what you mentioned, you know, I think we can take a page out of Westside Barbell's book and our conjugate method. I mean, yeah. I mean, how often are those guys doing rack pulls and sumo work and speed work and variable resistance with bands and chains? I mean, I think they're doing that stuff more days than actually pulling off the floor. So uh, yeah. there's, there's a lot that can be learned from people like that that are the best in the world. Yeah. And I love, I like speed work, man. I think it's underutilized. I like speed work with like bands as well too. Some accommodating, just like a banded deadlift, you know, 10 or 10 doubles, you know, with some speed uh, mm-hmm. to it, um, at, you know, where it's like 60% bar weight or 50% bar weight, not a ton. And then a moderate and moderate band tension too. Um, I think that that can be great. Um, and then, you know, like I don't necessarily have people build up to, you know, above 90% a lot with that. I'd rather, you know, just because it's such a huge hit on the nervous system too. Like I'd rather work on more positional work, speed work, specific variations to target the points of the lift that you struggle with, or maybe, you know, changing range of motion or different variations. Um, I think that those all carry over really well. Um, and I think that you can get a lot out of those and still improve, and especially with like doing it, you know, focus grip work. I don't think it needs to just be build to heavy singles in the deadlift all the time. Um, and, and so I, I, I play around with some of those other volumes and I love to, you know, when somebody's deadlift is their focus, um, to, to get some speed work or some more dynamic pulling in there. Um, I think that's great. And then my volume work too, when I talk about more like doing volume on deadlifts, I'm not doing the same kind of volume I do, might like I might do on other lists. Like I'm talking like, you know, you know, three to six type of reps, um, you know, working, uh, you know, that, that kind of range is more my volume work. I'm not doing, you know, tens and twelves and things with deadlift too. I think that, you know, that becomes more of like stuff you might see in like a conditioning piece with crossfitters. But like when you're trying to build your one rep max deadlift, doing, you know, heavy sets of 10 and 12 and things that, you know, there, it's just not appropriate in, in my opinion. I'm going to probably do more of my volume work in like the three to six range, do my speed work. Um, and then, you know, periodically, you know, going, you know, heavier. That's a good point, man. And yet another reason to make sure that we're not just doing three sets of 10 with everyone that comes to the door as physical 
physical therapist as well too. Yeah, so which is funny. Uh, that's uh, that's funny that you mentioned the three sets of ten and those kind of things. Uh, that's a great segue uh, for a shameless plug of a new course that we have coming out. Um, the first, I think, official Vertex course. Um, you're going to be strength and conditioning in the clinic. Um, so this is, you know, be on the alert, uh, be on the lookout for some posts here coming up in May at Vertex Casey. Um, a basically, if you're a PT and you want to learn how to better implement, uh, uh, you know, strength conditioning principles into your practice, then that is the course for you. Um, so uh, more details to come, but I felt like that was a, uh, you know, uh, you know, that was a, uh, a nice little segue. No, that's, that's going to be a, Great course. Very excited about that. And we're going to nail that down that date here in probably just a week or so. So definitely more announcements on that. And then the other thing too is don't you have a couple more courses coming up as well with Donnie with body yeah, tempering? Body tempering those yeah, we've got the body tempering in San Diego. We're about to be, you know, rolling. There are a couple spots left if people want to jump on that. That's a, you know, a San Diego course in, in March, March uh, 16th, I believe. But then we're, we're at Vertex Casey in April, uh, April 13th. So we'll be hosting one in Columbia and then we just posted, um, we're doing one in Athens, Georgia on the 1st of June. Um, and then expect Chicago in the middle of the summer, we're working on ones in the Northeast and the wet and, you know, going back up to the Northwest. So, um, you know, we're trying to make the move with that a little bit. Um, but we'll still be coming back to Columbia a fair amount. Everybody wants to come to, you know, the storage shed, the compound and lift a little bit too. So it's hard to, to, to not have a fair number of them here in Columbia, uh, cause people want to, you know, see, you know, the, the legendary, uh, the gym where all these videos and everything have been posted where Donnie, you know, trained to break those records. So, um, you know, we'll be in and out of Columbia, but we're definitely, uh, we're going on the road, man. It's going to be a busy year. It's going to be good though. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to take a minute just to thank all our loyal listeners for all those DMS of shout outs those episode requests. We really appreciate all of them. Love you guys. I was, I was told last week by one of my colleagues my employees at facebook is for old people so we just have an instagram page and that's at better faster podcast so be sure to give us a follow and also if you haven't already please be sure to head on over to itunes and subscribe to the podcast that way you can leave us a five-star review which has helped which is what helps us reach more people hope you all have a great week we'll be back next monday this episode is brought to you by vertex pt specialist one patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour guaranteed the best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.